welcome to a special edition of the Monday Ringer NBA show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network and Spotify. I am Logan Murdoch, staff writer, president of the LA Sparks Fan Club. RIP pour out liquor. We'll get to that in a bit. Town representative. And I am joined as always by our staff writer, our curator of vibes, the man who wears open-toed sandals in February. Mm. Raja Bell. What's popping, bro? Brand new whip just hopped in. Wait, ooh, ooh. Hey, you too, you too old to be. No, wait, I got you too options. No, nah, I'm just saying, bro. Nah, don't tell my age, man. I'm. Wait, I, don't wait. date me. Somebody, somebody here just turned 57 years old. <laughs> at a birthday <laughs> over the weekend. Oh, that's tough. You know you're old when you can't laugh without coughing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Raja, we. If you want to know your age, we can put it out on Wikipedia or Google or something. I'm a proud. But how 44. old? How I'm a old, proud 44, bro. A proud 44. What? How old? I mean, how how does it feel to be this old right now? Uh, <laughs> I feel blessed to be this old, dog, like straight up. But my body, um, and as it pertains to this show, right? Because I think this is a good kind of like, um, I watch what dudes like Marcus Smart and, and cats like that dude just giving that body up. And I'm like, bro, in 15 years, you are going to so be mad at yourself for that. Is like, it's going to pay off nice, yeah. but it's going to hurt really bad when you get to be 44 years old. Is it an overnight process of like one day you're just feeling normal and then the next day you're just feeling like like shit? Like, yeah. It, like, it, <laughs> I mean, it's not. It clearly is happening the whole time. Like, it's gradual, but it really does feel like that, though, right? Like, you, it's from, I would say it's from like the end of your, I don't know, 33rd birthday season going in to that next 34-year-old season, when you hit training camp, you're like, oh, shit, this is different. Like, I can't get there. I can't do that. You know what I mean? That should, It just kind of itch. Can you still hoop? Like, can you... How, much, how, how many pickup games can you give me in a day before it's like, you, you, we're, we're done? Um, what, what level pickup game? Because that's... I mean, but that's I'm always what game. about, right? Oh, you're in. Oh, yeah. I could give you five, six, seven games, but if I gotta stop, I can't get started again. <laughs> okay. If I gotta, if I have to sit a game, it's a wrap. I'm going home. So how how was the weekend? How was the festivities? Oh, it was dope, man. I had my family over. Um, little kegerator in the backyard. We just, we just, we just chilled, man. It was good. Had the kids all around. It was good. Okay, that's dope, man. I finally, uh, I finally, I got out the house this weekend, man. And I, uh, what'd I, you do? Oh, I had a doctor's appointment in uh, in Berkeley. I'm not sure if you know that's near that's near your stomping grounds of Piedmont. But yeah, it's Piedmontish. I had a um I had a uh, had a doctor's appointment on on Telegraph in Berkeley, and I just said, "Why not? Let me let me walk up let me walk up the street. Let's go to Cal. You know, I I haven't been outside. I've been on that side of the bay in a minute. Let's do a little safe walk with the mask on. Let's go yep, up Telegraph. Yep. So um I'm going up to Telegraph, and I, I get to the Cal Berkeley campus. And suddenly I have to have the urge to use a restroom. And I'm like, okay, well, let's figure out where we're going to find it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm walking everywhere. I go to the Amazon store um, on campus, nothing, right? When mm-hmm. I go to the Amazon store, I'm trying to find this, this restroom. And I ask the, uh, the OG lady at the, at, the, at the Amazon thing. And I'm like, hey, can, um, do you know where any bathrooms are? And she goes, no, they're um they're all closed. And um, what you need to do as a student, you need to talk. You need to email administration and figure out this because this isn't a safe thing. You guys should always have access to bathrooms on campus. And so I say that story to say, I don't know how I should feel be to be thought of as a student still. Is that a yeah. good thing? How do I, how no, should I, think, I feel about this? Yeah, I think you should be. That's flattering. It's flattering okay. at this point. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was I was in that weird space too of feeling like uh like if you carded me for some wine at, at like the, the liquor store or something like that, should I be offended? And you know, with more perspective, dog, always take it. Like cause right now I give I give a lot to be carded. Do you do you get carded now? Do you occasionally when I don't have this scruff on my face? Yeah. I I will occasionally get carded. Yeah. Do you like real be hella juice and just go into your to your wallet and just like, give it, Yeah, I got it right I, here. My ID's right here. Give my shit to Tiger. I just hit him with the quick little Bah, still got it, it, huh? Yeah, still got him. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, all right, all right. Shout out to the shout out to the uh, to the lady at the Amazon store for making me feel younger. The, again. the OG lady, you get the, it, the, OG, the OG, OG lady. Shout out to the OG. Also, shout out to Sasha, our producer. Also, a birthday girl. Big up, birthday Today. Sasha. Yes. Oh, is it really? 
Yeah, today's our birthday. Happy birthday, Sasha. We did a whole pre-show and ain't nobody tell me shit. Virgo gang. Okay. I thought you knew. I thought you was out here. Let's get to the show, man. We're here on, um, we're taping this at 8 a.m. West Coast time. Raz is out here living large. It's somewhere where he's at. It's it's three hours ahead. So, you know, shout out to him. <laughs> um, we're, we're recording this. We're recording this um, a night after the Lakers win. Game two of the of the Western Conference Finals after Anthony Davis three pointer at the buzzer. Was this game ever in doubt to you, Raja? Because I just I, I I don't I don't I didn't see it. I know the the Lakers were up double digits, lost the lead in the final minute. Nuggets had a quick lead. What what should we? Were you ever in doubt? I know I wasn't. Yeah, I I, I mean, through ninety nine point nine percent of that, I was not in doubt when the when the Nuggets took the lead. The Lakers had the ball, and uh, the shot was blocked in the corner. Mm-hmm. I had some serious doubt. With the two two and change on the clock, the inbounds, like I don't trust that situation. Um, I felt like it was in jeopardy. But for, I mean, up until that point, I was good. I always felt the Lakers had it in the back. See, that's the thing about this series for me. I think that I, I, don't, I don't really see the Nuggets, and I know I've got we've got criticized on this show. I'm not sure if you know this, for not talking about the Nuggets run enough. Oh, have Raja. we? We've gotten we've gotten some some real pushback about not t- talking about the Nuggets enough, and that's be- and and you know that could be on us, maybe. You know they've had been a great story. Well, allow um, me to say this. Can I say this? Can I interrupt real quick, just for ahead, anyone? Go ahead. Go ahead. I I feel like if the Nuggets were in the the Nuggets are the second best team in the bubble right now for me. Yeah. They just happen to be playing the best team in the bubble. You think they're better than uh, Miami? I I would have them beating Miami or. Or Boston, so I think of them that highly. Uh, whether okay. I've said it or not on air, I just they're playing a team that I don't think they could beat right now. I, I don't think that they could beat them either. And I'm just, I don't, have we talked since we've talked since the Clippers fumbled the bag, right? I think I'm just still just annoyed, more annoyed that the Clippers fumbled the bag than the Nuggets being a great story, which they are, right? And I think that, but I think this is the first series where I just don't, I don't see any hope for them right now. What do you think? Here's what I think: when you get a performance like you did out of Nikola Jokic, both with points and the assists. Um, Jamal Murray does Jamal Murray things. The Lakers turn it over 23 times. You shoot 33 free throws to their 19, being Denver out shooting them by 14 free throws attempts, and you can't get it done. I have serious, serious concerns whether this is going to be a series at all. I really think it's going to be... Um, Five game is what my gut says, but I could see this being a sweep. And I really like the Nuggets. I just, again, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that out of Nikola against the three-headed monster of centers that they could throw at him every game. And he's fantastic. You're just not going to get that. Um, I, I just don't see where they go from here, Logan. I think that that what's interesting, you said that about the the Lakers, um, you know, three-headed monster at center when you talk about Dwight Howard, AD, and JaVale McGee. It's funny how it's going to it always goes back to that because we always see this league going small. We always hear about how you know teams need to go put put PJ Tucker at center, just go ahead and do it. And right. my retort to that was why don't you just have super athletic big men that are over seven feet tall? Like, why don't you just do that? Why do you have to compromise your size when you can just have your players be you can just draft players that can do that but are just taller? Why, why? Why do you think that's the case? And I think why is the Lakers why have the Lakers been so successful with that? Um, so I think the Lakers did a good job of, you know, Anthony Davis is the prototype. That's what you're talking about, right? You're talking about a seven footer that can run and move like a guard, shoot like a, a guard, handle the ball. Um, they just don't fall off trees. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. seven-footers usually don't have that type of like hand-eye and, and just pure agility. Like they're they're breeding them different now because they play guard since they're young. But the point is you don't see a lot of those. So the Lakers did a good job of like you have that, but then you have the defensive chops and and the and the uh rim protection of of truer, like if you will, quote unquote, centers, right? Like the big yeah. JaVale and big and big Dwight. Cause that's really what you need. No one is very few teams are really making you pay in the paint by running something through a Shaquille O'Neal type of player, right? You're talking about what? The Sixers with uh, Joel Embiid, um, Denver. Who who else is out there that, that does that? 
I mean, I'm drawing a blank. I, but I like just mean more. I meant more in the case of like you, know, you talk about the Rockets, who had size. Clint Capella was one of the best defensive centers in the league, and you trade him away, or you know, well, the Clippers who nuts. don't. <laughs> no, that shit's stupid. Like you, you're right. Like you need, you need. I mean, to boil it down, maybe I misunderstood the question. Like, yeah, you need, you need size. You have to have not just to deal with the Nikola Jokic or AD, but just to protect the rim in general. When when you got these dope-ass wings that are flying through there trying to, you know, finish at the rim. Like, what if you don't have Bam Adebayo if you're the Heat? Jason Tatum dunks that shit. It's a different series, right? You need size. Yeah, and I just feel like uh, we've gotten so much to, you know, pace and space and and guys who can switch, but I think you do need that. You still need that center, and I think that we're seeing that with the Lakers right now because they could just trot out multiple dudes at Jokic, and Jokic in a way that the Clippers just didn't and couldn't. And um, what do you think about that matchup? Because that was the biggest thing that we kept hearing about AD versus Jokic, AD versus this, uh, or Jokic versus this, um, this front Lakers front line. Right. It doesn't hasn't seemed to be that much of an issue for the Lakers. Like they could put multiple bodies on Jokic. Yeah, they have they have uh, the bullets in the gun. Um, but I liked what Denver did with with Jokic last night. Um, they didn't play him, even even though like. You, when you're describing all of these centers that, that they have, I would you, you would think and be like, damn, well, his advantage would probably be on the perimeter because he's so gifted with the ball. He could shoot it. He could play off the bounce. They actually took him and put him in the post more yesterday. Like, he was way more active. They moved him around. It wasn't just, you know, catches out in space. Like, he punished some people around the block. So I liked what they did with Nikola Jokic. The, the problem is, like, you have, that's 18 fouls you have to give on him or, you know, somewhere in the 16, 15 range. And, the the toll of that over the course of a game, or and then if you extrapolate that out over the course of a, of a series, is gonna it's just gonna take its toll on him. It's a lot to ask him, and and basically Jamal Murray to go to work because they're not getting a whole lot from a lot of other places. Michael Porter Jr. has been okay, but mm-hmm. you know if the Lakers are gonna outshoot you from three, um, and their bench, and and we thought that I don't know how you felt, but I I felt like. The Lakers bench was was probably their weakest part of their team. If they're outplaying your bench, if you're the Nuggets, there, there's some problems there. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about the Lakers bench for much of this time that we've been talking together. In fact, when we were talking about Lakers Clippers, that was what the Clippers had an edge over, at least on paper. Like the Lakers are reliant on LeBron and AD. Yes, mm-hmm. they're LeBron and AD, but you do have to have that supporting cast. Caruso out here balling right now? What? You see that? <laughs> Hey, look, spark plug, man. Like that's let me get my eight and spark this thing. That's what I'm. That's what I'm paid to do. Yeah, man. And I, I just think that, um, you know, it's just been fun to watch. Also, AD hitting a game winner. Did you see? Did you see the play? And did you see, um, just the defensive laps of Mason Plumlee? Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, and and I just want to put more context in that before I ask you this question. Now, it the play came after. Jamal Murray blocked Danny Green's shot out of bounds. Right. No timeout was called. Does that, do you, when you're in that situation, do you already have a defensive um, strategy lined up? Like, how does that work when you don't have the timeout to go over that? Is, is that? is it a case of, oh, I just, I didn't know what I was doing, or is this, what is, what, what is going through Mason Plumley's mind at this point? Um, Mason Plumley clearly thought that he was going to switch a screen. You see him drop underneath the screen that never took place, like as, as uh, I think it was, I don't know who it was that was there. It looked like he was going to set it, but he didn't set the screen. So Mason Plumley, this is why, to take it back to the conversation we were just having, um, it pays dividends to have those big, versatile um, players like AD because Mason Plumleys of the world aren't used to chasing somebody off of screens. Like, that's my job. That's a wing or a guard's job. Bigs don't typically do that. So, you know, I would have already known, like, this guy, I got to run on his hip trail and if he shoots it with me attached to his hip god bless him i'm not going to give him space but you just saw big not used to being in that situation um not being you know really coached up about it like lose lose track of what was going on what do you think about the 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 symbol of ad hitting a game winner for this lakers team because we talked about this earlier about how you wanted to see ad take a bit more of a leadership role and be that number one guy is this, is this playoffs kind of shown that he can do that for this team for you? Uh, yeah, I, I was worried, full disclosure, first half yesterday. Um, 
after what he did in game one and he came out and and I, I don't know if I should have worried. Though. Tell me if I'm crazy for this. It looked you like LeBron. I, I might be. It, it looked like LeBron was obviously there to make his statement last night in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why somewhere deep down in me, I was like, damn, I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if he, if AD just had a couple too many for LeBron in game one. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that, that that's the case where LeBron mm. would ever act like that. That's just what went through my mind, right? And so, but then when AD took the reins back in the second half, LeBron let him do his thing. And then AD closed it, which I've always kind of, you know, just wondered if he had that dog in him. Not saying that he didn't, but wondered about it. I do think it was a great, it's great for the Lakers. Um, it's going to be great for AD and LeBron in the next chapter because they're going to win a championship this year. And then oh, the are, next are you, chapter. Are you guaranteeing? That yeah, you can stamp that. I just did that. Yeah, yeah. Bah, okay, big bang. Um, and then going forward, you're going to have to hand those reins over to AD if you're LeBron. Do you know what I mean? I think that, you know, we were talking about this in the group chat where do we think that AD is, do we think that AD is is prime for that role and is LeBron ready to give it to him? And I think that LeBron is ready to give it to him. I think that that's something that he wants. I think that's something that he said outwardly that he wants, this is a, this is going to be AD's team at some point. I mean, I think that the, that this, it's a formality that AD is going to sign with them. He's going to si- sign back with the Lakers. I think that this is all part of the plan. I don't think that there's any animosity or anything towards towards that transition of power. Do you? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But I would ask you the question: even if there's no like animosity, and I've said I wanted to do it, do you think that someone who's used to doing what LeBron does and calling the shots, do you think that's an easy transition? Do you think that's something that he's just going to like r- relinquish? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I what about I, I, don't on, know I mean, on the floor, easy. maybe not everywhere else, but at least on the floor, AD is the guy because he has to be. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, th- I, and LeBron, as long as LeBron could get like close to twenty and eight rebounds and and nine assists, LeBron's fine. LeBron's not a selfish dude in any like on the court at all. He's just trying to win games. So I, I think he'd be all right with it. I just wonder sometimes, never having been that guy, like how easy it is to transition. Cause it was hard for me to transition in my limited role to like my even lesser of a role. So I wonder what it's like for those guys. You Did know? you say I'm Roger, but I got power. Y'all got me messed up right now. <laughs> What's going on? Is that what you said in Utah? Is that you're like, guys, nah, I'm, listen, I went back to Utah fully expecting to come off the bench and like it just for two years, the young guys weren't ready to take it yet. And so I kind of just defaulted back into a starting role. And it was just enough for me to think I was probably a little better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> was that was there a humbling that came through right there, Roger? What? Uh, at that point? Yeah. Did you get what, what was, it was the an anti it was an anti-humbling because I was like, shit, oh, I still do this. Cause I thought I, you know, when I signed, I was like, yo, I'll come off the bench, be a good locker room dude. And then here I am starting for two I, more years. I'm like, I just spurned Kobe, you know what I'm saying? I got two extra years of a bag that I didn't realize I was gonna get. Right. I want <laughs> all right, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of animosity, LeBron got some animosity toward these media voter, voters for this MVP. How do we get a vote? How do we get a vote? I what is the criteria to get a damn vote? That's what I'm saying. So LeBron said he was pissed because he got a second place finish. And honestly, when I see some of the votes, I can't be mad that he's mad. I, well, I will say is that Giannis should have won it. But when I okay. see some of these ballots, there's one ballot that came out. And let me show you. Let me, let, let's, 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 let's decipher this thing. Okay. There's one media ballot that had Andre Drummond as first place defensive player of the year. What? Had Hassan Whiteside second place defensive player of the year. Had Luka Doncic as an All NBA player, had on first team All Defense. Luka Doncic, right? So this is the same dude. Kristaps Porzingis was second team All Defense, and Russell Westbrook was also second team All Defense in this ballot. Now, when you see ballots like this, you can see why LeBron is pissed. Was that Kanye? <laughs> it was like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> but I feel him. I feel him on being pissed like about this. But I do feel like I feel like there should be a balance of some player input, but also some media input. But there has to be a better vetting of each, right? There has to be a better vetting of, of people that we know watch the game on a regular basis have to get this vote. Yeah, because that's it, you, there's if you watch the game, 
Luka Doncic is not an all-first-team all-defense. He probably will tell you that. Luka Doncic is not in either of the top three teams defensively in the NBA right now. At all. At all. Yes, that's absurd. Um, Yeah, look, LeBron, LeBron, uh, again, greats, right, Logan? They're going to find a way to, like, fuel the fire and... You know, coming would, you, down. would you agree that that's, that that he has a, a bone to pick? I will say this though: Giannis deserves to be the MVP. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis is the MVP at, at 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 every point. Does LeBron deserve to be pissed though? Giannis was undoubtedly my MVP. I think LeBron can be pissed that it was a landslide the way it was because I thought LeBron turned it on late. And had there been the last whatever amount of games there were in the season, LeBron I think could have tracked him down. So yeah, I mean LeBron has LeBron has a a, a, a beef, but don't beef because you didn't win it because I think. Giannis should have won it. How do you feel about how the media um, is voting for the MVP now? Do you think that the criteria has changed from when you were playing? Um, no, I think I've never really thought that the that the most valuable player um, was the way people voted for this award. I always felt like it was probably the best player on the best team or one of the best players on one of the best teams. So, like, team success was going to play a large role in that. Um, and then there are times where I think you, you you can have, you know, just media darling type of status where where it gives you a little boost. You know what I mean? So I've never really felt like, never really felt like it was a pure, pure award. You know what I mean? I don't know. Does that I make mean, sense to you? I don't even know if it's the best player. I think that it's the best narrative of the, of yeah. the season. Of best storyline? Sure, yeah. Best storyline. Yep. Like, yep. case in point. When Russell Westbrook hit the uh, had triple doubles for a whole season, had the narrative going the whole season, there was no time where you thought Russ isn't going to win this award. Right, right. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And I, I do want to think that I, I'm not going to say that we both agree that this was not a questionable MVP. Giannis deserves it, but for the sake of LeBron being pissed, let's get into it. Some mm-hmm. questionable MVPs: Derrick Rose over LeBron in 2011. Yeah, that's tough. LeBron's had it. Yes, correct. I think LeBron probably should get that under the right circumstances. But again, the narrative was, you know, Derrick Rose had a great season. He was everything LeBron wasn't in that time. Mm -hmm. During a time where the media was talking about how LeBron just left, straight up left Cleveland, right? Yep. Carl Malone over Michael Jordan in 1997. These are all really close to, like, I'm going to make a case for MJ. I was an MJ fan. I know what the Bulls were doing. Carl Malone was dominating shit out in the Western. Like, he was really a bad man. His numbers were ridiculous. I could still make a case for MJ, though. But I, I just feel like this is the the um, this is the award in 97 where MJ just wins too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? We and got fatigue or MJ fatigue. We got MJ fatigue. Like, he just wins too much. And then, and you know, MJ used that as a slight so he could win a title over Malone that year. Sure. Right. Here's something. Here's another narrative that I want to um, that I believe is a narrative, and you might you probably we're probably gonna fight on this show, and this might be the last show. <laughs> but <laughs> Steve Nash over Kobe in 2006. <sighs> what do, All right. Do you have the numbers? It. Do we have the numbers anywhere? Like, are the numbers up? We we we. What I would say was, we were the better team that year. I mean, I want to see how many more. What was Kobe averaging that year? Like what was, 35.4. Let me get Steve Nash's real quick. Steve Nash, in that year, averaged 18 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, 50% from the field, 40 from 3. 50, 40, and 90 from the... And 90, 92% from free throw. Kobe, 34 points a game, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, had one of the best uh, scoring seasons of all time. No, no, no need for that. No need for any did of that. Did he or did he not? No need for any of that. All you needed to do was give took, me the stats. I mean, you took, just you gave me Steve stats. Just give me Kobe stats. That's what I mean. Kobe stats are. What do you shoot from the field? What do you shoot from the field? Just give me the whole picture so I know what I'm dealing with. Shot 45 from the field. That's not bad. Shot 34 from three. That's not. That's not great. Um, here's what I would say to that because I could. I, I would. Steve is my guy. You know that. I would not be mad if Kobe got that MVP. He was having a fantastic. We were a better team, though. Um, to your point about the the narrative, I think we we had a little bit more of a narrative, like we were fun to watch back then. And I would argue that while the Lakers clearly weren't going to be anything without Kobe, nothing that we did was going to work 
um, without Steve because it was all predicated on him having the ball and orchestrating that. We we ran offense, but most of our stuff devolved into Steve setting the table for somebody in a pick and roll situation, unless you were going to give Amari the ball or Boris once in a while on the block or Amari at that elbow. So that that was true value, right? Both of them were were equally as valuable to their team. And then, you know, I just think we had a better record that year. But I, I wouldn't have been mad at the Kobe. What was that? What was that like for you guys? Because I know I'm not the only one that thinks this. And I know you guys heard that narrative. Well, Kobe should have won that MVP. There's no way he shouldn't have won that MVP. What is it on your end when you guys are playing and you guys are with Nash? Is, is, there, is that something that comes up? Or do you guys care? Is Nash have like a – does he have a chip on his shoulder because I'm the real MVP? A good, that's a good question. I never really asked him. Maybe if we could get him on the pod and, and we could we could ask him that. Open right? invitation like, to Steve Nash to come on the Monday Ringer NBA show. Of course. How no? Um, I never asked him. He never seemed like it really bothered him and never talked about it bothering him. From our perspective, I don't think we really we really cared, man. We were we were locked in. We were really trying to win a chip. Um it just didn't happen. But our focus was like laser focus like that. We weren't concerned with the rest of that. Wasn't wasn't laser focus in that first round to start. <laughs> no, not with that. <laughs> Staying out at the lows in Santa Monica. No, Staying out at the lows of Santa Monica. Did it seem like Kobe felt some type of way about that? Kobe clearly felt some kind of way about that. You could. I could mean, you tell? Was, in retrospect, at the time, you know, it just felt like Kobe trying to win a series. But I think the way they came out, um, and you could see his like celebratory like uh, you know actions after some of those big shots. Like it, it meant more to him, I think, than just a first round um, you know upset. Possibly he was out to prove a point, which he should have been. I mean, like LeBron, the greats are always looking for um, something to throw in the motivational bag, right? And so I'm, I'm, there's 100 percent of me believes that Kobe was motivated by that. Were you on the court when Kobe dunked on Nash? Yeah, yeah, I was on. Yeah. How was that? I yeah. mean, I will say this: yeah. it isn't all. It was an offensive foul. However, you don't call an offensive foul on that. Um, yeah, you don't. <laughs> that doesn't well, happen. Depends. Depends. Um, what happened? Was it an offensive rebound? Something happened where I was like closing out to Kobe, but I couldn't get there in time, and he took off. So it was when uh, I think it was a long rebound. Lamar yes. gets the rebound, passes it to Kobe. That's what happened. I was in a rotation, so I wasn't on Kobe, and I tried to close him down, and he just. He went with the quick scape dribble, and the rest is uh, Ted. How did he feel immediately after that? How did how did what was he talking shit? What was going on? Nah, I don't think Kobe. I I don't think Kobe talked any shit. And Steve Steve didn't say anything about it either um, until after the game. And he was like, "Damn, I got you know I got dunked on pretty good." It it was I had seen Steve get dunked on like that before though, and it might have even been nastier than that. A lot of people don't remember the Ricky Davis on Steve Mm. Nash with the Suns dunk. Yeah. That shit is. I mean, Ricky. Were you on? Get, were you, you were on the team what? for that too? Was yeah, okay. I? And that one, I was like, there are very few times where I have a reaction that's like anti-teammate. And that one, I was like, oh, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what do you that's do like, when a teammate gets dunked on? Typically, we were clowning in that one. That one was a clown fest. Yeah, but there was who's clowning. Is state. it you? Is it Gentry? Who's clowning? Who's clowning ass when this happens? Um, the Kobe one, I think too much at stake um, and the rivalry was heated enough that that nobody really clowned because you didn't want you didn't want to give Kobe like the satisfaction of knowing with the Ricky Davis one when it was just the, the Mavs against I think it was Cleveland on like a sleepy Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was me, Walt Williams, Nick Van Exel. Um, Eddie Nahara, everybody sitting over on the bench was clowning. <laughs> you got dunked on like that. How does he take that? Is he is he chill? Is Steve chill when he gets dunked on? Like a champ, bro. So a very self self deprecating dude. Like doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, knew knew his limitations. Like as a defender, so that kind of added to the to the insult. You know what I mean? But he was cool about it. <laughs> I always think about that, but I, I do look think look that so. shit up. Look that shit up. If you if you don't Hold remember on, we're that, gonna thought, look it up. We're gonna look it up. Hold on, look, look that up. up. <laughs> Wait, it's a fast break. Hold on, throw the river away. Yeah. yeah. Oh! 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 <laughs> oh! Correct. Oh! Yo, why is Nash always trying to take a charge, bro? You're bugging. Get why? out of there. I don't. <laughs> Why, bro? Here's the thing, though. If you know someone's going to dunk on you, they're never going to give you that call. If the dude finishes the dunk, you're not going to get that call. Charge taking number one, Logan. Meet him before he jumps. If you let him get in the air, 
it is it's 50 50 and you're probably gonna get dunked on so you got to get him as he plants to take off what's so that you coldest, disrupt the whole takeoff what's the coldest dunk you've ever had and who what's the coldest poster you've ever been on because i'm about to look up both of these right now mm. see i didn't dunk a lot in the nba man i my best dunk in the nba was probably on lawrence funderburg i was playing for the mavs it was probably second round of the playoffs um 2003, I came down the middle um, and just took off in Lawrence Funderburg. I, it was my probably only and one dunk as a pro. So I, I dunked it on Funderburg and converted the three-point play. Um, I don't know that I've ever been in a poster. Why? Why? Because you like just love. I just or did you, I like, wasn't look? my like I wasn't meeting anyone at the rim. Like I didn't try to shop block. So or and you I giving up? Were you giving up on it? Like we're just like I'm not gonna. I'm fine. I'm not gonna well, do this. If I can, if I can only get like my wrist over the rim, it don't make a lot of sense for me to be trying to block. Ricky Davis or Kobe at the rim. So my job was to try to stop him from getting to the rim. Once that happened or didn't happen, that was up to like Dikembe and Kurt Thomas and Sean Bradley and those dudes. What's the instance when the guy's coming downhill, right? And it looks like he's going to dunk on you. Is it, I'm going to like try to strip him or I'm just going to get the hell out of the way? Like what is going through your mind when a guy either on a fast break or he's just coming down the lane? Yeah, that's a good question. That's, that's, you're talking about tenths of a second to make this decision, right? And it's, if I can get to your feet, like, okay, I don't have to get you before you take off, but I have to get you before you get like 33% into your ascension on the jump, right? Because once mm. you've hit that point, then hitting me is just going to propel you higher. So I've <laughs> got to, that's what happens, right? Like if you hit, I'm just taking you further up to the rim. So I got to catch you like at 25% or 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 earlier in your ascension as if I can't get to that, then I'm pulling a flyby. Like I'm just going to run through and try to swipe it, swipe at it. Or I'm just like running through your path and getting the hell out of the way. Another thing though, cause it's always a, the funny thing to, 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 to ask players this, you guys do weird shit when you're guarding people. Like, when you're not guarding people but not actually guarding them, like if you're laid on a closeout, you try to tap his leg and stuff. Does that stuff actually work? What I, I hate seeing you guys do that type of stuff. It's just so or you guys do the you guys do the Kobe used to do the clap. The clap out of Yeah. Like but when you're clearly like out of a uh, a rotation, like out, okay. or you're not playing well and you're just do the weak shit on defense. Of the legal weak shit to do. Um most and you can of get it, into the legal stuff too. You're out of the. I league. will. I'm going. I'm going to okay. go into that. But like, um, the tapping of the leg, the poking in the belly, those those can work because they can work because you're you're kind of vulnerable when you go up for a jump shot, right? Like you're not ready for the tapping on the leg. Not a big deal. The poking in the belly can can throw you off um, a little bit. The rest of that um, is silly. Like I got two boys. I got a 12 year old. I mean, 13 and 11. My 11-year-old is a little bit more like me in that he will get away with anything you'll let him get away with. So he is a big believer in poking you in the belly, like on the closeout. And I've seen him get into multiple fights because of that with his brother. Um, but there were guys, and like I'm not going to – there were guys that you know for a fact on that closeout they were going to try to stick a foot under you. Like mm. that, that type of shit, I always felt like even though people thought I was a dirty player, I didn't play like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would, I was physical. I'd flop. Like, I had my moment with Kobe, but I ultimately wasn't trying to, like, break your ankle or something like that. I've had guys put the foot under me, and and you see it on film, and I confront them, and they couldn't even hide from it because it's like, yeah, I, I did that. And then the other one was the tap in the, in the, in the nether regions, mm. which, which you've seen boys fight. Like, you saw Channing Fry and, who was it, KG square up over that? Yeah. Um, Boys used to do that, and that's that's pretty uncool too. And how do you combat that? Do you like? Do you have to fight them? Do you have to go to the threat of a fight? Like, how do you when someone goes under your leg? How do you get them to stop doing it? Yeah, you, you, listen. Um, you out of the league I, now, bro. Come I on. tell my sons, I'm a big believer in this shit, man. Like, there are times where you 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 got to do what you got to do. So you're gonna have to fight somebody. You're still you're gonna get in trouble, and you're gonna have to suffer like the the repercussions of having to fight them. But you gotta fight them. Like, have you, and, have you have you ever had a, a situation where you've had to just be like, "Hey, bro, check this out." Oh, what? Listen, I, me and KD, like, he was a rook in the in the league, and he he caught me. We were in Seattle, and he caught me on a closeout. And I liked KD. I still like KD. So I went up. I shot. I turned the hell out of my ankle, man. Like square on his foot, all my weight on it. Um, 
And I was in fury. I looked up at him. I said, I said, boy, please tell me you ain't do that shit on purpose, man. Cause I was like, if, and he looked at me, he was like, I didn't do it. I went back and looked at the tape and it was an accident. But like in a situation like that, I, I'm going to have to, next time I see you, we we have to do something. If this you is your livelihood. This is yeah. your life. Yeah. But KD didn't do it on purpose, but that's the way I felt about that play, right? Mm-hmm. And because yes, you are you are costing me money. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break. The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel. We're teaming up with FanDuel again this football season, but we've got something new for you this time around. Something new. All season long, you can play the free Ringer Mega Contest on FanDuel. Here's how it works. Just pick five NFL games against the spread, including one double down pick. Get one point for every correct pick and two if you hit on your double down pick. FanDuel will add up your score every week. Just finish in the top 100 on the season-long leaderboard to make the playoffs and compete for your share of $25,000. It's that simple. You looking for locks? I'm taking the Bucks over the Broncos. Another lock, hard for me to say, but I'm taking the Patriots over the Raiders. As an Oakland native, this hurts, but it has to be done. Have you seen how Cam Newton's been playing? I'm just saying. What you need to stay away from, though, is the Chiefs versus the Ravens. I don't know about that when I'm staying away. You got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens D versus Patrick Mahomes. It's just too close to call for me. Also, you can still join if you missed out so far. It's not too late. But realistically, this is the last week to make up ground. So get in on the action now. The top 100 make the playoffs to compete for a share of $25,000. Play the Ringer Mega Contest for free every week, only on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest to make your picks today. This is FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest. This episode is also brought to you by Square. You may know Square as that little white car reader that helps you make payments. I don't know if you guys heard this, but I've been, I strolled around Berkeley, California this weekend and I had a had a fun time just going through all the small businesses and getting some food. I got some food at IB's place I like to go to to get my um, to get my hoagie. So they had a little square card reader that I can just put my little card through. Or if you want to, you know, you have Apple Pay or anything, you can scan that right on the card as well. But here's the thing that most people don't know. Square has so many more tools to help your business, especially right now when you're looking for new ways to sell. To get your business online, Square has a free online store for pickup, delivery, and shipping, and a free customer booking website that's perfect for scheduling in-store pickups or virtual appointments. If you're selling in person, Square makes it easier for you to switch to contactless payments like Apple Pay, touch-free hardware for your counter and curb size and back pocket. No matter where you take your payments, you can get instant access to your money with free business debit cards. All these work together all from one place, and that's just a start. So no matter if you're a restaurant or a clothing store, a plumber or a dance instructor, Square has all the tools to help. See everything Square can do at square.com forward slash go forward slash ringer NBA. Now back to the show. Let's talk some Celtics heat, Raja. Mm-hmm. So the Boston Celtics, they took care of business. They all the cliches got it back to a two one, got it, cut it to a two one lead. Um, before we get into what I want to talk about, which is Jimmy Butler, let's talk about the Celtics for a second. Marcus Smart, after game after a game two loss, goes into the locker room and says, basically, y'all need to get their sh- your shit together. And there's a lot of loud noises. There's arguments. There's all these things between him and Jalen Brown. They have since at least outwardly squashed the beef. Is this normal, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 normal. Um, especially when you have a guy like like Marcus Smart, who's clearly like their emotional leader. I, I don't know that you'd call him necessarily their on-the-court leader. And that's always an interesting dynamic, too, right? Because I, I played those Suns teams that I was on I was kind of the emotional leader of of those teams, right? Because I wore my emotions on my sleeve and I was loud and I was, you know, like, and it's always tough when you have to call out people or or lay into a team of guys that you know are probably better than you as a player, although Marcus Smart might not believe that. Um, that's an interesting dynamic, but it has to happen sometimes. Um, and you've got to fight about it. Like any relationship, you got to, you got to get all that shit out on the table um, and everybody can say their piece and we don't have to like what each other says, but we are a family. We got to respect the feelings. And from there though, you can maybe move forward and and do what you need to do. So 
I think it's normal for it to happen. And I actually think that that needed to happen for the Celtics because they were getting bullied. They were getting outworked, out-toughed. Um, Marcus Smart was trying to defend five people in the first two games. Everywhere he went, he put a fire out and another fire popped up. Like that shit, can't, I can't do this shit by myself it, defensively, you know? Yeah. So I don't know verbatim what was said, but if I'm Marcus Smart, I'm a little pissed too. When you when you say you're you were the emotional leader or one of the emotional leaders of the Suns, and we know that Marcus Smart is the emotional leader of the Celtics, how much of a responsibility to get that right? If you're gonna yell at somebody, how do you make sure it's constructive and not fuck him? I'm not gonna yeah. play. How do you make sure that happens? It's a good. It's a really good question. First, I don't think you can you can have that kind of outburst at your team or your teammates very often, right? The, uh, you, you can you can be one of the emotional leaders of a team um and and have different interactions with people that would support that without having to have that big blow up like when you're going to go off like i remember a situation in sacramento um it was probably 0506 it was halftime uh we were probably down 20 points and like mike d'antoni started talking and i just interrupted him and mf'd and soft asses and son of a beat. Like I just went off and like, you know, damn near tears in your eyes. Like, like this is some, and we had a response to that. Like the whole team came out, we won that game, but I can't do that every night. Cause people start to think you're just bugged out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, you're going to have some fractured relationships there. So number one, I think it's, I think it's important that you don't do it too much. And then number two, um, you have to have established a healthy enough caring relationship with dudes that they know, even though I did that, or even though Marcus Smart did that, it's for the greater collective good. Like we're, I'm just trying to get the best out of us as a team. And this is the way I see it. And if we can, if we can agree to kind of move past it and, 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 and work things out that we're going to be straight. Like we won't hold any ill, Ill will towards each other because of it. So you just cut Mike D'Antoni off and just cursed everyone out. Uh, I cursed everybody. What out. was it? What was the circumstance? What happened? It was no circumstance. Like Mike, Mike. No, Mike, no, no. I mean, like, like, like. Tell me about like what the how what was the season going like? How was what was going on when? No, we uh, were in the this? midst of a good season. We were we were a good team. We thought we had championship like uh, potential, but we were in Sacramento on one of those sleepy midseason games, and they were wearing our ass out. And whether it was right or not, like, because I I haven't watched the film, I felt like we were just getting out toughed and. I prided myself on playing hard and playing tough. So in my mind, I thought I was doing that. And whether I was right or wrong, again, I, I didn't feel like everyone was giving the same effort. So I like I let us have it, you know? And I, you know, the other thing I think is important, though, uh, is to include yourself in it, even if you don't feel like you're part of the problem necessarily. When you're doing that shit, it's got to be we. It can't be y'all. It's got to be like, we have a problem. We aren't playing tough enough. We need to, you know toughened up or whatever you got to say to him um, and then keep it moving. But we responded and it was the only time I did it that year so verbally and so abrasively uh, and, and we had a good response to it. Do you think that the Celtics get help from this? We know in the immediate aftermath they won game three, but do you think that this catapults this into a, a game, a, a seven game series whereas I thought, you know, maybe four or five <sighs> after the first two games? I got mixed emotions, dog. Like I think, first of all, I think that really helped. Um, uh, I, I thought you see, saw guys come out with another level of intensity. Um, mm -hmm. I think getting Gordon Hayward back is really huge for that team. It's yep. another playmaker, another versatile defender, um, a guy that can put you in pick and roll and create out of it and also score the ball. I am, My heart, Logan, says that this is going to be a series now. Um, yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because there's part of me that feels like the Heat, it's a sustainable thing, man. They play hard. They they got a bunch of playmakers. They've been doing it all bubble. And then there's another part of me that says, man, is there an expiration date on that shit? Um, and when is when is that? You talking about for the for the Celtics? There's an expiration for, for, date? for the Heat. I wonder. I don't. I'm got asking. I, I don't know. I think that um, we'll get to this in a second. I do want to ask you a quick question. All right. Before we get to that, Gordon, you brought up a point about Gordon Haywood. He got hurt. Went home has a pregnant wife, and is talking about going... Like, what do you do in that scenario? You stay your ass in the bubble, bro. That's what you do. You stay your ass in that bubble. Like, and I know it's... <laughs> I, look, There's, I didn't have... I mean, I was just saying the other side of that, like, you know, your wife's pregnant. Do you go back home? Like, do you have her coming up? Like, how does that work? And uh, Yes. Um, I want to be careful, dude, because I say, some, I say stuff, and I'm not... I'm not... 
saying that it isn't beautiful to be there with your wife and 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 witness the childbirth. I was blessed enough to be able to do that. Um, I'm just from from where I sit. If I had been in the middle of the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals, um, there is no question that I would be at the game personally. I can't tell Gordon what to do. Gordon, I had Gordon as a rook, man. Gordon's a great dude, great family, all yeah. of that. I think the fact that you were just at home and you got some time there that you didn't anticipate having, yeah. Um, and you saw how much you meant to Boston. I would tell you, I man, you probably need to stay in that bubble, dog. I might, Quick. I might have done. See, I might have done the other thing, Roger. Huh. I might have just stayed. I would have just stayed at the crib. If my wife is just about to get pregnant, I might have just did that. Like I no. might have just stayed at home. Well, if you didn't come back, then I would. That, that's a thing. That's choice, right? But now you came back. Would you have you come back in that instant, though? Would you have come back into the bubble if you go back to to um, mother of your children? I would have, bro. I would have okay. because I know how rare it is to have an opportunity to win a championship, man. Like I would have. Like, don't, they don't come around. I went to the finals my first year in 2001 with the Philadelphia 76ers. And mm-hmm. I thought at minimum, every three years, I was going to get a sniff. Like, and I never got back. So, you know, maybe that's having a little perspective. But I'll tell you, like, real quick story on my son, Dia. We were in the 2007 playoffs against the Lakers. Yeah. And um, my wife went in with which was like, probably like some Braxton Hicks type of thing. She was late in the pregnancy. Them damn doctors in Phoenix induced her to have the baby <laughs> so I did not have to miss the game the next night. Like, my wife will never forgive them for that, but that's what they were on. They were like, we're going to get the baby out so he could go to the game. <laughs> Wait, so the, so the doctors already, <laughs> they already knew who you was. They already did. They were like, we need Raja. My wife they- would slap that doctor if she saw her right now because she was so pissed. But we had the baby. I got to play in the game. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, let's um, segue <laughs> back into back into the uh, Heat series. Um, the Heat remind me a lot of the uh, 2011 Dallas Mavericks in a lot of ways. Oh, go ahead, articulate those, please. I'm, I'm trying. I'm interested. One star, one like bona fide star, right? Okay. Surrounded by a bunch of dudes. Not a bunch. And when I say dudes, I mean that in in all respect, like like bona fide dudes. Yeah, like not regular guys. Not not regular guys, like bona fide dudes. Yeah. And they just go on this unexplained run. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you look at that Dallas Mavericks uh series, they or that 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 run, they beat the I think they beat the Portland Trailblazers. They go beat the Lakers. They sweep the champion Lakers who are looking for a three-peat. Right. And then they go and beat probably one of the best collections of talent ever in the Miami Heat. Right. But they just were on that run with a bunch of veteran dudes, a veteran coach. Probably wasn't seated high. I don't think the I, don't, I think the Mavericks were seated around the same, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines, like four or five, something like that, that year. Mm-hmm. And they go in and they just go off. I just see that in this team. I think that's the argument, and I don't believe this argument, but there's an argument going around that the Heat could win the title. But that's the argument you can't have for them winning the title is that they are that type of team that can go that has gone on a run like the Mavericks did. Okay, so I'll ask you another question. I. I that Mavericks team not only had a bona fide star, but one of the best to ever do it offensively. Do you think that the Heat's bona fide star, A, um, Jimmy Butler, and two questions, A, um, is good enough offensively to carry when he needs to, and B, understands that role? Because, like, Dirk knew when it was time, he was, give me the ball, I got these. Do you know what I mean? Like it looks I to think me. That, I think that Jimmy can carry them down the stretch of a game for okay. sure. I mean, that's not even a question. He's done that right. in these p- playoffs. Now, can he carry a game consistently? Though, like this is consistent. This is. Let's look at this, his last couple. Let's look at his last couple games, and I want to get your take on this. All right, Jimmy has had his last. Let's say, let's go five games. 13 shots his last game. Before that, 11 shots, 14 shots, 6 shots, and 15 shots. Throughout this whole postseason, he's only hit 20 or more shots one time. I know he is the unselfish superstar. I know I get that. I feel that he needs to be more assertive. It's his team. I, I And maybe that's the old school staying in, in me, but I think he should be more assertive. I, I agree with you. I, I, th- I think if, you're, if you are the... the st- 
the the straw that stirs the drink, and I, I think he is for the Heat. Um, you have to force the issue when it needs to be forced. The Heat play a wide open kind of style where they don't, you know, it's not like one guy's ball. Like they play a a real team style, so everyone is going to get their FGAs up, and you know it doesn't lend itself to you shooting 25 shots a night like some teams are built. But you certainly, when other guys aren't cooking or games are in jeopardy, you have to get your shot production up. You need to demand a ball and you have to, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, get it done. And that's what separates like greats from really goods, you know, the ability to do that in a timely fashion. It doesn't have to be all the time, but it has to be when we need it. As it pertains to that 2011 uh, Mavs team, just a little pushback. Let me, you had Dirk Nowitzki. I don't think there's a comp for Dirk on, on the Heat. Um, and I would argue that like there's no one on the Heat that's as good as Sean Marion was as a player in his career either. I meant more so in the sense of like you have an older veteran player. No, older that, veteran yeah, star. Yeah, I, I can dig that. I can dig that. that can that's dig what that. I mean, right? That I, that has been there but hasn't won anything. I that has it. been to that to that level and hasn't won anything. And I I I'm not comp- comparing games though, but I I mean situations where you have this this aging guy um you know, that's that's on this team, you know, a veteran group that's just going on a run. Fair. That's fair. I think Jimmy Butler needs to shoot more. I think Jimmy Butler needs to, without taking them out of their rhythm and what they try to do offensively, like you're not going to just give it to Jimmy and let him go ham, but he's certainly got to take a little bit more ownership on the offensive end when things aren't going well. Let's take a quick break and uh, let's, we're going to, we have a new segment, a new WNBA segment featuring Jordan Liggins. We're talking WNBA. Yes. (laughs) We have a copywriter a writer, and an expert on the WNBA, Jordan Liggins. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's WNBA playoffs. How could you be upset? It's awesome. <laughs> so we, 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 I got Jordan on the show under the, the, uh, under the promise that there will be no LA spark slander. Now, I don't know <laughs> if we can promise that anymore. We'll get to that in yeah. a second. Um, but before we get to anything, I do want to talk about you're talking about the Wubble. Should we be concerned that the Wubble will be no more? Because yesterday, on Sunday, the Seattle Storm-Minnesota Lynx game was canceled. Beca- or postponed. I think postponed is the right way to say it. It was postponed because of a few inconclusive tests. We don't know when another game is going to happen. Jordan, should we be concerned about the WNBA season? I'm not concerned. First, I'm a really big optimist. So I'm just going to say that it was a bad test kit. You know, these were just errors. Um, Three times during the regular season, there were inconclusive tests Mm -hmm. and those players just didn't play. Um, But they came back negative the next day and they were able to play and practice the following day. So I'm just going to hope that that's what's going to happen again and that we're just going to Keep going, and we're yeah. just gonna forget about this. I don't want it all to crumble, especially Seattle, who is might go to the finals. I don't want that to happen. So, do, do you think that? Uh, I mean, because what, what does it say about the security of the bubble? Because this is this will be really, really. Everybody's in such close proximity. It, this was. It seems like multiple people were uh, had inconclusive tests. This could be something, though, right, Jordan? Yeah. So this time, that's why they they shut down the game, because it was multiple players on Seattle, whereas before it was just one player and that player, you know, everybody else tested negative. So this time it was multiple players. But again, being an optimist, I'm going to say they tested right after each other. And those were just a bad batch (laughs) and that we could keep going. I think I'd be more worried if it was one from Seattle and one from Minnesota, then that would mean that, you know, those are two separate testing areas and maybe it's spread already, but two in the same team, two bad tests. And that's what I'm going with. Okay. Well, we'll get to the, we're going to be pouring out a little liquor on the, uh, on the sparks a little later on, but there was some uh, sparks news. The sparks lost to the uh, Connecticut sun. Um, it was really sad. Without Neka Gumuke was not in the lineup, mm-hmm. and uh, their season is over. But Candace Parker was talking about her free agency, and yeah. was a little. She said she wanted to stay in LA, but wasn't like all the way committed. 
should we be afraid that Candace Parker is? Should I be scared that Candace Parker is not going to be back with the Sparks next year? I I think you should pray to the basketball gods that she stays in LA because I'm putting my money that she goes to Chicago. She goes home. She tries oh. to get a ship with the Uh-oh. sky. That's my prediction. I think she's you- done. I, I I don't know how many times, just like she said, I don't know how many times you could say next year, we're going to do it again. Next year, we're going to be better. Yes, next year, they're going to have NECA, hopefully, if she's healthy. They're going to have Christy Tolliver, who opted out have this Chine. season. They're going to have Chanae. But how many times are you going to say next year will be better? Next year. So you, so if you, you're saying right now, Jordan, that that C, the real CB three is going to be out of the out of LA, is what you're saying. I, I think she might. I think she goes to Chicago. That's what, that's my prediction. I'm saying it's, it now on the NBA show right now. It's, it's gonna break my heart. I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, before we before we do um, get you out of here, I do want to. This is the biggest thing that I do, I wanted to come over here and talk to you about, and also talk to Raja about is the playoff format. For the for the first and second round of the playoffs, where you have it's a playing tournament where you have um, the lowest seeds have two single elimination games before they get into the um, the conference finals. Now, the we've seen this in the in the NBA where there is a single elimination game, but it's only for the to get into the postseason, not to advance in the postseason. And Sue Bird said that she is not, she is for playing games, but higher seeds should not have to deal with playing games because it's uh, it's unfair. They have worked too hard, and I, as a Sparks fan, I agree with this. They should, the Sparks should not be out as much as they are. I want to I want to start this question off with Raja. Raja, do you believe that there should be single elimination games for the first two rounds of a of any of a WNBA game or any league? No, no, not. I mean, it, it, if if you've worked all season to be the number one seed or number two seed, you shouldn't be subject to having one bad game and getting knocked out of the playoffs. If moving forward in the playoffs, you're going to have series take place. To give right? you a bit more context, so Roger, to, to give you yeah. context, a little bit more context, the first and second seed, they have two buys. But even th- even third, fourth, like my point is like, if you're the higher seed, I agree with Sue Bird. Like you, you. You don't want to have to to have one bad game dictate whether or not you're in the playoffs. If moving forward, people are going to get the hop in series, and then the best team usually winds up winning. So I I just think, you know, it's single elimination all the way through, or you figure out a way to do like a three game series instead of you know having one bad game and you're knocked out. Yeah. Do you think that there's going to be any reform to this, Jordan? I I would agree that second round should be best of three because, you know, if you take the sparks, you get NECA back. And that swings the whole series. That will change everything. And it really did seem like they did a bad game. I've never seen Chelsea Gray shoot like that before. And I know that that wouldn't have continued um, if that was a best three series. So there were a lot of complaints. There were yeah. a lot of complaints. Um, so I think that that they might tweak it. I like the single, the first round For single sure. elimination game. It's chaos. It's madness. It's so much fun. Um, and then the semifinals, best of five. I think that if it's just a progression, that would probably be yeah. better. Yeah. I think that part of the reason there was an argument was costs associated with a five-game series in the first round. You know, just for uh, for for both arenas and both teams, the cost of it was was a bit expensive. But I would say that even if you need to have the second round be a three-game series, there you have to give the higher seeds a chance. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. I really hope that there's a there's a uh, a, a postseason because we need it right now. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for coming on. We should make this a weekly thing for the WNBA. Yes, I would love that. All, All right, talks so WNBA. Yes. All right, no, no. All right, no spark, no spark slander is all I'm going to say. And we can't be, we we might have to cut that out about the the CP going to Chicago. <laughs> it was really the whole time I was watching that yeah. blowout. We have to say it okay. was pretty bad. Sorry, I just yeah, I didn't wear my Aces jersey. I had to wear my Monarchs jersey. I don't know. She has if that a piece of penitential Monarchs jersey. <laughs> Man, that's res- that's respect. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Okay, see you guys. It's time to pour out a little liquor, Raja. No doubt. We have a friend of the show. 
We have one of five Clippers fans on the planet right now. <laughs> it's him. It's Billy Crystal. It's Clipper Daryl. And it's like two guys that got free tickets as kids. <laughs> and he is one of them. Isaac uh, Lee is in the ooh. building. Hey. Isaac, it's been a, you had a week to process this collapse, <laughs> this shame as a staff record label and a motherfucking crew. Speak your piece on the Clippers collapse. My piece. Damn. Um, well, first of all, I appreciate you giving me a whole week to, um, to give my wounds to heal, time to heal. Um, my piece on the Clippers collapse. I mean, what piece is there to, what piece is there to speak? There's no peace. There's only turmoil. There's only chaos. You know, this is, um, in many ways it was to be expected. Uh, suffering is the inevitability of Clippers fans and for the Clippers organization. It is the curse that the yoke that is on our shoulders. Um, <laughs> you know, life is just a precursor to death. Hope oh, is poison. Gosh. You know, all of those things. It is just it is just suffering after suffering. It is just pain after pain. It is loss after loss. And uh, there's, there's a certain level of comfort in knowing that um, it's so very predictable. You know, after game five, it was like, oh, they're going to blow this. Mm. After game six, it was, they are absolutely losing for certain with, absol- with no doubt whatsoever. And Logan, you and I were talking throughout game seven. You know, you, you, can, you can tell me what my mood was, what my, uh, what my state of Raja. mind was. He bet against the Clippers for Game Seven because oh. he just knew that he bet on the Nuggets. Oh, is that what Clip? Oh, that's yeah. tough, homie. Yeah, keep going. I don't mean to interrupt. Keep going, bro. No, no, it's just this is despair. You know, this and is had despair. this monotone right here. It was just it just, just seems sad. He just yeah. seems these, out of these it right are now. usually fun for me, but like this one, I I I feel bad. It's I just not fun. I'm not having hug, fun. Bro. I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's speaking at the funeral. And he's like looking at the. He's looking at the grass. He's not even looking at us. Oh, you know, Raja, I, I I regret the fact that this is the circumstances under which we are meeting. I'm usually a pretty dynamic personality. I I consider myself a a, rare, a fairly happy person. Um, but you I you would. find me with, you know, in distilled despair. You know, Ooh, the purest I- form of disappointment is uh, where you find me. So um, yeah, I did bet against. The Clippers, I bet the Nuggets money line and the point spread. And I want some money <laughs> off of it, so at the very okay. least. I would you. like to point out that Isaac is a Clippers fan because he went to a Clippers-Lakers game in which he got free tickets, mm-hmm. saw Kobe hit a game-winning fadeaway, one of the greatest shots he's seen in person, and said, I'm going to root for the team that lost. Yeah, I would like to say that he chose this, and I don't have any sympathy for him. Yeah, I mean, choosing choosing that life because of that is hard. Um, it's hard for me to really feel terrible for you. I would, <laughs> yeah. I would ask you though, because I'm I, I'm really interested in like, as a Clipper fan, who do you hold like most responsible for for the for the meltdown? Like, is it is it just an organizational thing? Because you just said clip, you know, it's the life of a Clipper fan. Or yeah. do you, as a fan, say, damn? Paul George didn't hold up his end of the bargain, or Kawhi, or Doc. Like, is there someone that you're pointing the finger to more than someone else? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's tough to blame any of the great personnel on the roster or, or part of the organization. Like, as much as there has been slander for Paul George, Kawhi didn't show up in the fourth quarter of Game 7 either. He went 1-for-11, I believe. Like... It's not like it's not like Kawhi was this banging superstar that we saw last year and Paul just didn't show up. It's kind of both of them didn't really show up. You know, Doc didn't make adjustments. I think it's kind of an all-around total all around, meltdown, huh? We had yeah, a total meltdown. Total yeah, meltdown. I, I mean, this is what happened in 2015 is just like it's just the repeat, you know? It's just like... Didn't it happen sequel. in 2006 when uh, Raja played and beat your Clippers? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up. That 06 team is my favorite team of all time, but... Um, That's a tough team, man. 
yeah, you know, Elton Brand's my favorite player. But um, you okay. guys, you know, it was it was <laughs> it was tough. It was tough reliving these uh, the same memories of them losing the second round over and over again. Never well, getting to the conference finals. I got some water right here. I know Roger probably has something kicking. Coffee. I don't know what you have. Let's pour out some. Let's pour out some liquor for 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 the team. Thank you, Isaac. We'll we'll talk to you next season. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, I'll have a much higher voice by then. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. All right, man. Peace. (laughs) Nice to meet you, bro. (laughs) Nice to meet you. All right, man. I do want to. I do. While we're still recording, I do want to pour out some liquor for the LA Sparks. Don't have to say much, man. Pour out some liquor for um for Candice. Pour out some liquor for all the homies. It was a good run. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back for real one of the week. Mm-hmm. This is somebody or someone or some entity that um, it displays all of the characteristics we want in a real one. And so my real one of the week, pretty, pretty somber here, Raja. Mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. No, no. Passed away this week, uh, Superior, uh, Supreme Court Justice. A trailblazer for women's rights, trailblazer for civil rights, um, passed away. And it's going to, uh, we don't have to get too political into this, but she was a real one in her life. And I uh, just want to give her some acknowledgement. Also, honorable mention, Zendaya becomes Ooh. the youngest Emmy winner for a lead actress in a drama for Euphoria. Town legend, town representative, shout really? out Oakland, shout out Zendaya, a real one of the week honorable mention. Facts. My boys are big fans of Zendaya. Did not know she was a town native. Um, those are two good ones, bro. You, you. Uh, it's gonna be hard to top that. But <clears throat> my real one of the week is one Cameron Jarrell Newton. Speak Cam on Cam Newton, disrespected, um, left for dead. No one no respect on his name. No respect on his name. Every team in the league had a shot at him at bargain basement, like cheap, like pennies on the dollar price. No one wanted to touch him. Um, And even when he went to the Patriots, I had to listen to all of these fools on all these networks talking about how he was coming off the bench and Jared Stidham was going to be the better quarterback. And, you know, his career was over. And Cam Newton came out running the ball week one. They told me it wasn't sustainable. He was going to get injured. They can't play like that. And all he did last night in defeat, though, in defeat, was go 30 for 44 for 397, one TD in the air, 11 carries for 47 more yards and two touchdowns on there and almost snatched a W from the Seattle uh, Seahawks in Seattle. So I'm putting some respect on Cam Newton. Real one of the week. Welcome back, Superman. That was really good. You might be you might be good in this in this um, role, that. man. Before, you know you, what I mean? Sir. That was pretty good. Thank you. All right, man. That's been it for the Monday edition of the Ringer NBA show. Keep giving us names. We should have one in the next, uh, I say, week or so. But keep giving us names. Also, listen to the mismatch coming out tomorrow. Tap in with that. Um, listen to our podcast, man. On the Spotify Just network and wherever you get bro. podcasts, bro. Listen, man. You know what I mean? I got to get, you know, birthday shout outs to Raja, birthday shout outs to our producer, Sasha. It's her birthday today. Make sure y'all, make sure y'all, you know, pour out some for her. You know what I mean? Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you. <laughs> yes, I don't even know, bro. Everything's yeah. going on a series messing around right now. <laughs> Yo, tap into the podcast, bro. We'll see y'all next week.